The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. In a new interview with Bloomberg News, Boris Johnson makes a last-ditch call on the world leaders to take concrete steps on climate change ahead of this month's COP26 talks in Glasgow. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. The entire climate change agenda is nothing more than a shifting of wealth from one country to another, from one set of democracies to another. We're moving all of our dependency for fossil fuels, which supports countries like Saudi Arabia. And yeah, Saudi Arabia, not our friends. Well, they kind of are, but not really. We got a love-hate relationship with them, and a lot of that goes into the certain aspects of Saudi Arabia's uh, politics and sex within that country. The Wahhabists are on one side. You've got the prince and his family on the other. Um, the, the prince wants to secularize and modernize the country while the Wahhabists want to be hardline Islamists. Um, that's where we fall into. It's not a cut and dry situation because at one point we can make great deals with them and get into co-ops, but then at the second side of the coin, a lot of the 9-11 hijackers were from there, and we had 28 pages of redacted uh, documents on the, on the 9-11 Commission report. So, But we know we could be energy independent here in America if we didn't close off the pipelines and shut down all of uh, the, the uh, shale uh, fracking, all of that stuff was things that were making us independent of the globe. We've always had our sovereignty, but that seems to be slipping away. But we were fortifying our sovereignty by becoming energy independent. And the globalist, I hate to say that because Alex Jones has said it so many times, but who knew that he was going to be this right? <laughs> it's crazy. I don't know if the frogs are gay. I don't know if there's fluoride in the water messing with us. I don't know if there's chemtrails. But I do see a group of leaders mixed with business, mixed with communist, mixed with ideologues, all getting together to restructure the globe and take away the sovereignty of America and any other country like Bolsonaro down there in Brazil, like Hungary. Take any of these countries and steal their sovereignty away for a global union that benefits them. That's the whole thing about it. You know, the climate change movement was a slow roll to what happened with coronavirus. You know, when coronavirus hit, we shut down the economy, told everybody to stay home. All the small businesses closed, out of business, in debt, shut down. They had to let go, lay off all their employees. Taylor's Do-It Center closing. Home Depot gets to stay open, you know. Mom, Pa's uh, Dollar General down the street, they're going to close. Walmart gets to stay open, and you can Amazon all your stuff in. Amazon had its greatest, uh, uh, greatest financial success for the month. So we eliminated small businesses, 
those operating on small margins and all that money got transferred over through market share to bigger companies that are global companies. And then you have a story like this. For the first time, the super rich 1% in the U.S. have a larger share of wealth, 27%, than the entire middle class, 26.6%, according to the Federal Reserve data. Well, all of those people that were operating on thin budgets were wiped the hell out because of coronavirus. And to get us to a point where the governing corporations that, you know, they know better than we do. They've got better relationships with foreign governments and they can be energy uh, conscious. You know, we can do green initiatives and be self-sustained, you know, sustainable energy, all that BS. They will now be able to call the shots and it works in their favor because, you know, why sit there and have your business spend all this money jumping through red tape in this country, cutting through red tape in that country, getting into market shares in China. Just do it in one one stop shop. We'll just Walmart the entire globe and you can do your bidding for business. You know, you don't need that pesky America to get in the way. You can do it right through a global union. And so they're going to use whatever methods possible to edge you out. Climate change being one of them. But they couldn't really get to this level of effectiveness using the scare tactics of 1% or two, two degree increase in temperatures. They could do it by using a, a pandemic. And that was able to ramp up all of the fear and shake out all of the, uh, you know, all the businesses that were hanging on by a thread that may have survived and may have thrived down the road, but that market share was given out. And that's why you get stories like this. David Sonatter, he wrote, Rahm Emanuel made statements on healthcare, climate, in line with the firm that's paying him millions. Unbelievable. The founder of the Daily Poster said recently, financial disclosure filings from former Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel, who's Obama's buddy, I think he was chief of staff for Obama, show that he previously made public statements that were in line with a Wall Street firm paying him millions of dollars. His, his appearance on Hill.TV's Rising, he outlined the reporting from the Daily Poster, which discovered that Emmanuel, while employed by ABC News as a contributor, would make comments on the air regarding Medicare for All and the Green New Deal that were all in line with Centerview Partners, an investment banking advisory firm that was paying him $12 million in consulting fees from a senior advisor post. Hmm. Shifting the wealth around, using your influence to scare the public, the unassuming individuals into your scam, and then you get paid for it. That's what I'm talking about. That's what this whole thing has been about. Rahm Emanuel was on ABC News. He's all over, uh, really, the news in general, making declarations about what Democrats should and shouldn't do. And only now we are learning that he, he, was, he was saying this because of the financial relationship he had. 
And that's the thing. Some of these financial relationships aren't just with big advisory firms and and, uh, banking financial institutions. Some of them are with the Chinese government. And we'll get into that in a minute. Some of them are with nefarious reasons. There's no reason to uh, support America when your pockets are being filled by another country of influence. As long as you're making the bottom dollar, that's quite all right to these people because they have no love for America. That was never a part of, you know, of what they believed. But even when we do take measures to try to be eco-friendly, we get stories like this from the uh, UK Daily Mail. UK's biggest source of greenhouse gas, this Echo Power Station in Yorkshire. It burns wood pellets that are treated as renewable fuel but emit more carbon dioxide than coal. Supposedly, Green Power Station is Britain's biggest emitter of greenhouse gases. Drax in Yorkshire burns wood pellets and has attracted 800 million euro in subsidies. But And the subsidies probably come from the government. But analysts show burning wood for power produced more COT than burning coal since 2019. A supposedly green power station subsidized with public money is Britain's biggest emitter of greenhouse gas, researchers say. I wonder what Boris Johnson has to say about this. Barney Rubble, what you got to say about this? (laughs) That guy. Somebody got to him. The dude was on the Brexit train making things happen, and then all of a sudden he was in the hospital, and now he's out there, rah, 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 build back better, uh, COVID-19 vaccine mandates, and now he's talking about climate change. Drax in Yorkshire burns wood pellets, which are treated as renewable fuel, and the site has attracted more than 800 million euro in taxpayer subsidies. But analysts show that the burning of wood for power, known as biomass, has been the cause of more carbon dioxide emissions than coal since 2019. Drax burns millions of tons of wood to provide around 12% or 12 yeah, 12% of the UK's total electric power generating 15.6 megatons of carbon dioxide emissions each year, which caused the planet to heat up by trapping heat around the earth, the greenhouse effect, which we've kind of shown that that's kind of BS too. But remember, I'm reading from leftist sources, so you're going to get BS from leftist sources. But Boris Johnson, on one hand, talking about how we need to worry about the climate. On the other hand, the biggest emitter with, of, of emissions in Britain is a wood-fired, wood-pellet-burning power plant subsidized by government money. The whole climate thing is a ruse. And they want us to start eating bugs while they talk about how steak is going to be considered like champagne. It's going to be a delicacy. Who do you think is going to be eating the steak? It's not going to be you. It's not going to be me. Unless we can find local ranchers and they're going to get edged out of the business. It's going to be the Davos Kings. It's going to be the United Nation of Davos heads, Klaus Schwab and George Soros and Bill Gates. He's going to make all these plant-based meats, and he's going to do all these things to turn water, turn uh, feces into drinking water, and to uh, he's going to buy up all of the of the farmland that he can, which he's doing right now. And we're going to turn. They're going to bioengineer meat. They're talking about making meat in a lab. 
But who's going to be eating that filet mignon? Who's going to be eating that big old tomahawk steak? That's going to be the rich guys. Back in a moment. This is Adrian Slade. So the giant wealth transfer of climate change under the guise of saving the planet is it's really designed to benefit a few people in a couple of countries. And we were talking about Saudi Arabia moving us off of fossil fuels, moving us over to lithium batteries for China. China will become the new Saudi Arabia. They will be the economic powerhouse due to energy. And it's not by market demand, it's by force. They're just going to regulate out fossil fuels and give credits, tax credits, over to anyone that uses batteries, you know, battery cars. That's why we gave up Afghanistan after 20 years. As soon as Biden became the president, and we know Joe Biden and his son Hunter Biden have a relationship with China financially, suddenly China gets everything. They get Afghanistan, which is loaded with rich minerals and things you can use for uh, for green energy batteries. Um, we're going to turn around and stroke an infrastructure deal that's going to benefit the new global union and the new great reset. We're going to, and I'm going to get into that. I think I'm going to do an entire podcast and break out my other wheelhouse because I'm a tax professional. I can give you a breakdown of Biden's new tax proposals like most people really can't. But they're setting the stage on redoing the tax code so that it'll be comported into a global union. And then they're also doing this infrastructure bill that they carve out all of these things, you know, for green energy stations, for your electric cars and all types of crap. That's their infrastructure. That's the infrastructure they're building. They're using your tax money not to build America's infrastructure, but to build the global union United Nations of Davos uh, structure. That's their infrastructure that they're building with your tax money. Here's the interesting part, and this is a theory. I'm going to go off on a tangent here before I get back into uh, the depopulation movement and the regulation of food resources, because that's all a part of managing the global society because they think that everything is so finite that they have to be the ones to regulate it, but it's going to benefit the elites in the process. That's how it always works. But there's a reason why the news media is leftist, progressive, communist, maybe. It's not because of their ideology per se. It's not 100% because of ideology. It's also because they want to be, they want to, control their existence. They want to manage their success or lack thereof and stay relevant in a world that's edging them out. So in the infrastructure bill, there is carve-outs for reporters, for news agencies, not to have to pay taxes, not to have to pay payroll taxes. It's crazy because the real goal of the media which is why the media loves the left and they do not love the right. My theory is because they want to be like the BBC. They tried this with NPR. They want to be government subsidized. How is it that CNN can go on the air with crappy ratings every day and still exist? How is it MSNBC can go on the air and put out fraudulent stories attacking political candidates 
or putting out documentaries of pure propaganda and not go out of business with crappy ratings. No one's watching this stuff, but they have to make these, uh, and this is across the board. It's not specific to MSNBC or CNN. They have to, they have to make these documentaries and to push their narratives and make, you know, it's, it's retconning history. They want to write history by going, oh, you didn't know this. Well, here's our documentary on climate change. Here's our documentary on this. Let's go and do a podcast with Anita Hill and uh, Christy Blasey Ford and say that they were both attacked sexually by Clarence Thomas and Brett Kavanaugh when it never happened, right? Let's go ahead and do documentaries and and docu-series on Hillary Clinton. No one's going to watch this crap, but if they can do it, they can rewrite history. And if it's a failure, well, if the government subsidizes it, then it's okay. They want to be the BBC, the CBC. They tried it with NPR. That's why back in the day before cable came into the picture and you could do cable access shows, that's why they had PBS originally. So they can do these subsidized documentaries, retcon history, and prop up the journalist side while they do all of the information warfare for the left. And they're going to get a carve out in the infrastructure bill. It's completely insane. So if we want to talk about insanity, let's listen to this commercial from the UN. Listen up, people. You're headed for a climate disaster. And yet every year, governments spend hundreds of billions of public funds on fossil fuel subsidies. Imagine if we had spent hundreds of billions per year subsidizing giant meteors. That's what you're doing right now. Around the world, people are living in poverty. Don't you think helping them would make more sense than, I don't know, paying for the demise of your entire species? You've got a huge opportunity right now. As you rebuild your economies and bounce back from this pandemic. So here's my wild idea. Don't choose extinction. Save your species before it's too late. It's time for you humans to stop making excuses and start making changes. Thank you. What you just listened to right there was from the UN. And it is a dinosaur addressing the UN about climate change and equivocating it to the meteor that supposedly took the dinosaurs out. And unfortunately, yes, that was Jack Black's voice. I love Tenacious D. I'm all down for the D. You know, climb across my big ass steed. Then we're going to ride, going to smoke some weed. Climb across my big ass steed and ride. (laughs) Anyways. Uh, If you get HBO Max, go back and watch the Tenacious D episodes. They're really funny Um, because they always want to come out like they're this heavy rock band, this groundbreaking, you know, hugely influential rock band. And they play these local mics and it's just him and Kyle playing these songs. But anyways, I digress. So, yeah, Jack Black voices this commercial and they're talking about climate change Um, This leads us to what we were talking about earlier uh, from The Economist. This is a whole thread that they put together. It's really amazing. Should you give up eating meat? By cooking so many cows, humans are cooking themselves too. Animal-based food uh, products account for 
57% of agricultural greenhouse gases versus 29% for food from plants. Beef emits 31 times more CO2 per calorie of food than tofu does. Doing without beef from live cattle is hard to imagine, but the same was true of coal 100 years ago. Red meat is about 35 times as damaging to the environment as a bowl of greens. <laughs> really? Eating less meat or giving up flying are simple ways people can mitigate climate change. But how much does personal action matter? They're not giving up eating meat. They're not giving up flying. They fly to Davos. I mean, they freaking fly there. In fact, the best was Secretary, former Secretary of State, now climate czar, John Kerry, who's at the head of this big wealth transfer grift. He flew out of the country, I want to say to like Japan, or he flew somewhere, so that he could zoom in to the climate conference. <laughs> so he still had to fly. Right. He couldn't zoom in from his, you know, from his house. He had to go fly somewhere so he can zoom in from there. It's ridiculous, man. But, you know, the Great Reset's going to have you eating bugs in the dark as you're as rolling blackouts and brownouts invade your tiny home. You know, you got to have one of those little 20 square foot homes that's on someone else's property because, you know, you don't want to believe in assets and property ownership. Um, you're going to be regular uh, relegated to that tiny home. Um, because of a virus that is a 99.99% survival rate. So enjoy the new United Nations of Davos, gang, because they want you eating bugs. That's right. They don't want you eating meat. They want you eating greens, but they've now taken it a step further, and they want you to eat bugs. Um, how about giving insects a try from The Economist? It would undoubtedly be better for the world if people ate more bugs. They're rich in protein and more sustainable than meats like beef or pork. Many people now identify as vegetarian, vegan, or flexitarian, but they do not provide a way to eat food, the food system right. A wholesale reimagining of the food system is needed. See, it's always a fundamental whole system change that they request, right? They're going to fundamentally transform America. They're going to fundamentally shape and reimagine the economy. They're going to do all these great things because they're the smart ones, right? And in return, you're going to eat beef and you're, or you're not going to eat beef. You're going to eat bugs and maybe plant-based meat. Uh-oh, from Reuters, China gorges on American grain-fed beef amid shrinking supplies from down under. Unbelievable as Australian beef exports to China wither amid diplomatic tensions, demand from U.S. grain-fed beef has soared, fueled by the appetites of a growing Chinese middle class. So wait a minute now. You have to give up eating meat. The elites don't. And the entire country of China is just gouging themselves. They're, they're like, you know, hitting the gag reflex with big friggin' T-bones. They're just scarfing them down. But you have to go to eat bugs. Everything works in China's direction, doesn't it? Everything moves in China's direction. But, you know, 
You got to lower your expectations. Why are you so worried about having a nice life? Why do you want to live the American dream? Why do you want to live in a nation of prosperity? Washington Post, this is from Breitbart on supply chain woes. Try to lower expectations. (laughs) Yep. Jeff Bezos, the guy who bankrolled off of the coronavirus with Amazon shipping and then decided to fly Captain Kirk in an emission-spewing blue phallus up to the sky, right? So Captain Kirk, who went on and on about climate change too, and Jeff Bezos, worried about climate change, owns the Washington Post, owns Amazon, decided to fly them up in the most emissions-spewing blue rocket that looks like a blue schlong up to the sky and then back down for 10 minutes of scenery. And we're supposed to believe that they're in it for the, for the environment. They're frauds. They're all frauds. Yeah, so we need to lower our expectations. This was an op-ed that was telling American consumers to try to lower expectations moving forward. Rather than living constantly on the verge of throwing a fit and risking it on overwhelmed servers, struggling shop owners, and late-arriving delivery people, we do ourselves a favor by consciously lowering expectations. Now, remember, these are the same people that want you to resort to communism. That's the expectations they want you to use. And again, it never goes in the direction of liberty. It never goes in the direction of freedom. It always goes in the direction of China. And Russia has been hanging out with China. Now, Greta Thunberg, you know, the uh, autistic uh, climate queen, she said, I want, you, uh, I want you to panic, and nations did. They overinvested in unreliable weather-dependent energy resources and underinvested in reliable energy. Now, global energy shortages are forcing the poor to choose between food and electricity. Yeah, the energy crunch hits global recovery as winter approaches from the AP News. And also, uh, from this article, it says power shortages are turning out streetlights and shutting down factories in China. The poor in Brazil are choosing between paying for food or electricity. German corn and wheat farmers can't find fertilizer um, made using natural gas. And fears are rising that Europe will have to ration electricity If it's a cold winter, the world is gripped by an energy crunch, a fierce squeeze on some of the key markets for natural gas, oil and other fuels that keep the global economy running and the lights and heat on again, rolling blackouts, brownouts. They're coming. They want to make you destitute. You can't comport a nation of prosperity like America into the United Nations of Davos Global Union unless you just totally cripple them. And they're doing it. You know, they're going to talk about, well, gas prices are going up because of uh, OPEC and they're cutting the supply. BS. You had a pipeline that you got rid of and you eliminated much of our fracking industry. So now we're reliant completely on OPEC. And you're shifting us away from fossil fuels to lithium batteries and renewable energies, solar panels made by Uyghur Muslim detainees in internment camps and forced into slave labor. They're making Nike shoes and they're making solar panels. Then you've got wind turbines that when the wind turbines have to be taken down and dismantled and removed and disposed of, they have to bury them underground because they're the stuff that they put on the outside 
of the wind turbines are so toxic to the environment. It's unbelievable. The, the vehicles that they're talking about driving on, if they catch fire, they can't put the fire out. And then if you dispose of a lithium battery, it's more detrimental to the environment than uh, fossil fuels. But that's okay. We're going to go ahead and play this game because, again, it is not about uh, climate change. They want to sell it to you as climate change. They want to scare you into thinking that it's climate change. But they don't buy it. They don't live it. They don't, uh, you know, everything about what they do. They fly to Davos. Um, they eat the beef. Everything they do is okay for them. They're allowed to live that lifestyle. You're not. And it gets even more ridiculous. UN Climate Change Conference reportedly using diesel generators to charge Teslas being used as shuttles from Zero Hedge. We're not sure we can think of a better an analog for the lunacy behind the climate change hysteria that than what is reportedly going on in Glasgow. As many people know, the conference of the parties, COP Climate Change Conference, hosted by the UK in partnership with Italy, is taking place in Glasgow all the way to November 12th. And one blogger from Brighton wrote this week that attendees from the conference will be staying at a really ritzy hotel. And he wrote that there are... Um, 20 Teslas at the hotel to shuttle people back and forth from the convention. But the stated purpose of the conference is, among other things, to review the implementation of the convention, the Kyoto Protocol, and the Paris Agreement that we outdid while we weren't in it under President Trump. But that's a whole other story. The Climate Change Conference now counts themselves, according to the UNFCCC, uh, their website, as among the largest international meetings in the world. Um, but they decided to fight climate change in a carbon neutral way to shuttle people around in electric cars. And those electric cars are being charged by diesel generators. <laughs> people are so ridiculous. This is why it's a ruse. It's a scam. And if you want a real world example of this scam, remember the unveiling of the Chevy Volt, the all electric vehicle? Listen to this video about how they unveil it, and then they talk about, well, you know, you just plug it in the wall, and then they're like, well, where does that energy come from? And then the guy from the power plant tells you what the real uh, aspects of the energy is. I'm really grateful to be here today, and in fact, this is a chance for me to say thank you more formally. The, the Chevy Volt is upstairs. We'll be able to take a look at it. Thank We've you. got about a thousand photos. Yeah. Is it plug? <laughs> <laughs> It's as simple as that. <laughs> the batteries are in the trunk? No, the battery in this particular design is a T-shape right down the center and across the back seat area. Because everybody thought we killed the electric vehicle. No, we didn't. It's alive and well. So what's charging the, the batteries right now? What, where, where, what's the source of a... Well, here. It's, it's coming from the building. I mean, is it... Um, what's our mix of power? Oh, actually, Lansing feeds the building. What's that? Lansing feeds power to the building. So I don't, I don't know. They're. Uh, I bet they're a bit of coal. Oh, they're heavy on natural gas, aren't they? Uh, right now, the car is charging off of your grid. Right. It would be charging off uh, our grid, which is nine, about ninety-five percent coal. Yep, just like powering electric cars with diesel generators at a climate summit. 
you got to charge your car somehow. And how are you going to do it? You're going to do it with coal, uh, coal provided energy from electricity. It's so freaking ridiculous. And they wanted, they basically want you to live this lifestyle and they want to force you into thinking you need to live this lifestyle. They did that with COVID. They're doing it now with this, but it never again goes in the other direction. And ESGs are how they're going to force uh, businesses in trying to obtain capital to create a business, to expand a business, to merge with other businesses, whatever the case may be, you're going to have an environmental, uh, social, uh, social awareness and governance score. They're going to score you. It's going to be like a credit score. You know, you're, instead of having TransUnion and uh, Equifax and what have you, they're going to have these companies decide to look at your, uh, your investments, look at your business model, and then they're going to give you an ESG score. And that's going to determine whether or not you can borrow money, access capital. So Exxon considers killing some huge oil and gas projects to appease the ESG score. Unbelievable. Ever since the arrival of the ESG craze, we have discussed the change in optics that Exxon has been trying to pull off in order to placate some of the most vocal activists and shareholders, some of whom now happen to be on the company's board. That's the other way they're doing this. They're packing the boards, buying up shares, and infiltrating the bo corporate boardrooms so that they can change the, uh, the focus of the company from the inside out. But now, instead of just purely superficial changes, Exxon may be on the cusp of making fundamental changes as well as the oil and gas uh, company is considering whether or not to shutter several major oil and gas projects. The company's board includes three directors nominated by activist inve investors and has expressed concerns about certain projects, including a 30 billion liquefied natural gas development in Mozambique and another multi-billion dollar gas project in Vietnam. The Wall Street Journal reports while uh, caveating that the impact from these projects coming online likely wouldn't have been felt for years to come. The Wall Street Journal reports the Mozambique project called Ravma would tap resources of natural gas off the coast of the southern African country and then chill them to a liquid state at an onshore plant to be exported around the world. It is one of the largest projects in Exxon's profile, and its proximity to India could give Exxon an opportunity to export gas into a fast-growing market. In Vietnam, Exxon and its partners discovered a large gas field in 2011 in waters 50 miles off the coast, but have yet to develop it. Gas from the field known as uh, Kai Voi Zing, or Blue Whale, would be sent through a pipeline to planned onshore power plants. Vietnamese officials have said that uh, the project would generate $20 billion in government revenue. The field is now considered contested waters claimed by China in the South China Sea. And analysts say China is actively disrupting Vietnam's offshore oil and gas industry because it always works for China. Every single direction. And you'll see, I've got a couple of articles that's going to put it all in perspective for you. I love it. You know, this is uh, from NBC News. Uh, Americans are in total collective denial about how lethal our car dependency is. We have to stop normalizing the suffering caused by cars. 
So we're going to vilify the cars. That's why Rush Limbaugh talked about back when the SUV came out that they always vilified the SUV. They never talked about the person in the car when an accident happened. It was always the SUV as though the SUV had a mind of its own and did things. They do that on purpose to vilify and to demonize guns, SUVs, whatever the case may be, Trump supporters, and then they can isolate them, dehumanize them, and vilify them, and then end up pushing them away from the favorability of the mind of the American. Now, we get into other aspects of these crazed climate change people, such as overpopulation. So Bill Gates, the Jeffrey Epstein buddy who basically said this about Jeffrey Epstein, the pedophile who was flying around on, on his big Lolita Express to his island uh, with all the underage girls and Bill Clinton and Terry McAuliffe's new buddy, his donor, all these people who were flying around. Um, you know, Jeffrey Epstein, who didn't kill himself, uh, was found dead in his jail cell after the last time he was in jail when they pretty much treated him like the uh, the drunk guy on Andy Griffith and gave him the keys so he could lock himself in and let himself out when it was time to go to work. Um, this time he went to a real jail and then he just magically ended up dead. Um, cameras were turned off at a maximum security prison and you know he's got sheets that are made of, of almost paper towels, but that's how he hung himself and he did so from like a couple, couple feet up off the ground. Um, yeah. Uh, this is what this is what he said about his buddy uh, Jeffrey Epstein. And you know, I've said I regretted having those dinners. Uh, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing new on that. Is there a lesson for you, for anyone else looking looking at this? Well, he's dead, so uh, you know. In general, you always have to be careful. Uh, <laughs> but he's dead. That's pretty cold. But this guy is all about population control. Um, he's a depopulation movement advocate. He did TED Talks talking about how we need to reduce the population size on the planet. And it's not just a fringe thing, okay? And that's what we were talking about with depopulation. New York lawmaker Deborah Glick says the Earth has too many people. <laughs> Better watch out if this Manhattan politician snaps her fingers. Assemblywoman Deborah Glick has figured out what's wrong with Mother Earth. There are just too many people living here. The longtime West Side politician made the stunning comments in a Friday morning tweet that read world population in 1950, 2.5 billion, 2015, 7.3 billion. The lack of family planning because of religious zealotry has stressed the planet. Something no one wants to talk about, which is why they love abortion. Okay? That's why they are doing the measures that they're doing with COVID. I mean, we still don't know what's going to happen with these jabs, but that's a whole other story. But depopulation is something they're concerned about, even though you could take the entire population and I want to say you can put it in the state of, of New York or something like that. Now they would be shoulder to shoulder. But they could all fit in that one little area. But for some reason, we have to act as though religious zealotry, which is which is fighting against abortion, is what's causing the population to grow. And we need to re reduce population because of that. 
The tweet echoes the stated rationale offered by Thanos, the fictional villain from the Marvel Comics and Blockbuster Avengers, uh, the Infinity War and Endgame. So she's a, uh, a Thanos advocate. While Glick's pro-family planning message is not calling for half the world population to be turned to dust, it's at least a third uh, time in recent years that she's made similar remarks. It takes a special kind of demented to watch Avengers Infinity War and think it ends on a high note, cracked one Democratic insider. In 2019, she defended her decision to hold up legislation that would legalize paid surrogacy in New York State, one of the main avenues for LGBT couples to become parents. See, that's the other thing. They also push for the LGBT community because what happens when they get together? Well, they don't make babies. <laughs> they don't grow families. And the family structure is what drives freedom and capitalism, too. Make no mistake about that, because the reason why Glenn Youngkin, candidate for governor of Virginia, is growing in popularity is because a lot of Democrats have in northern Virginia have said, you're doing what to my kids? You bring a kid into the world, it changes a lot of things, your perspective, your drive, what you worry about for their future, and the fact that a, a nuclear family grows good, solid individuals and is typically a pro-American uh, stance, well, <laughs> that's why they have to destroy it. That's why on, on TV, every family that's on TV is a dysfunctional family since the 1950s. You know, we, we don't have Ozzy and Harriet anymore. We've got like, uh, you know, the, the person who's seeing their mother on the weekends and they're in the dysfunctional TV show with canned laughter in the background. Um, it's an attack on the family. And a lot of that has to do with depopulation because they think that if we stress out the earth and destroy its resources, then it's going to become inhabitable. And that's where the authoritarianism comes in. Who gets to decide this? The government? Who also likes population control? Uh, remember the one child policy in China? It's a communist thing. The Economist, again, jump into the rescue. How many children should you have? <laughs> See? I mean, they really have to hone it in. Or should you have them at all? <laughs> There's the cost, your sanity, and the planet. Never mind the effects that the kids uh, on the kids. Six writers enter a moral maze. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's I'm, I, there's a paywall on it and there's no way in hell I'm going to give them money to read that drivel. But that's the thing. That's an example. The stress on the planet. Worship of Gaia. Gaia was Mother Earth, right? Moloch was where they sacrificed their babies before going into the Jewish temple. That is uh, abortion. And climate changes Gaia. And they worship these things. And that's why they push for net zero, right? Because there is no way to get to net zero. What they're going to do is they're going to say, well, those that have to go, you know, plus uh, net, net 11 or net 20, well, you can just pay for credit offsets and, you know, it'll pay to plant some trees and it'll pay to do these environmental things. 
and then that'll bring your deficit down to zero. And uh, who's going to be able to do that? Those with expendable income at the levels of rich elites. That's right. That's how this works. <laughs> Many countries have net zero pledges, but no plan for how to get there. <laughs> um, we don't have a plan. Our plan is to shift our power and wealth to communist countries and to put us at the whim of a totalitarian regime. That's kind of where we're at. Now, here's, here is where the ESG, uh, you know, environment, uh, social justice, and governance scores come into play and really show you the ruse of this whole thing. All right, so China, the graphic truth, net zero, what the top polluters are promising. Well, what's interesting is China has decided it's not going to fund certain coal plants overseas. It's not going to be uh, involved in, in investment of coal fire plants. Um, Western nations aren't going to be able to borrow for them. Um, they're not going to finance any coal plants, except for the ones that they're building. <laughs> right, the Federalist has this. While Western nations kill energy. China builds coal plants by the dozens. The United Nations Climate Change Conference, due to start October 31st in Glasgow, a city built on coal and steel industries, well, um, they're solidly declaring responsibility uh, rest with each and every country because on climate, the world will be, will be successful or fail as one. Um, they continue to say the climate has no borders, which is great so far as it goes, but someone forgot to tell China. Yeah. So now, right before the climate summit, to end all climate summits, China threatens to ruin the whole show. A headline in the left-wing Guardian says China's plan to build more coal-fired plants deals blow to UK's COP26 ambitions. It's almost as if these grand conferences don't do a thing except generate speeches, emissions, and promises to be broken later. The Guardian further explained its anguish. China plans to build more coal-fired plants, uh, power plants, and has hinted that it will rethink its timetable to slash emissions in a significant blow to the UK's ambitious, uh, ambitions for securing a global agreement on phasing out coal at the COP26 climate summit in Glasgow. Chinese Premier... Um, Li Kingping stressed the importance of regular energy supply after swaths of the country were plunged into darkness by rolling blackouts that hit factories and homes. The Chinese Communist Party understands that blackouts could injure its hold on power. That, quote, the world will succeed or fall as one is irrelevant. The party must go on. And that's the real aspect of this whole thing. It's even crazier when you find out that, uh, China, <laughs> China doesn't care about these stupid emissions things. I mean, they, they're going to ramp up coal fire production. They don't care. And it's really amazing when you, when you see <laughs> the fact that um, companies in China emit more <laughs> than entire nations. Listen to this. From Bloomberg's green 
Twitter account. China's emissions are so vast that its biggest companies, few of which are household names, create more pollution than entire nations. <laughs> the companies make more than the entire nation. The world's top five polluters were responsible for 60% of the global emissions in 2019. China alone generated about the same amount of CO2 as the next four countries combined, and its carbon output is still rising every year. <laughs> China's emissions are so vast that its biggest companies, few of which are household names, create more pollution than entire nations. China Brown, the world's top steelmaker, put more CO2 in the atmosphere last year than Pakistan. Unbelievable. And they're the ones that are getting the exemptions because it's all a ruse. It's all a scam and it's all to diminish Western power. And those at the top get to profit off of this. And it props up uh, various individuals and the communist uh, regimes. I mean, look at this. New York mayoral candidate Eric Adams met with Chinese Communist Party influence groups seeking to malignly influence American officials. This is from the National Pulse. New York City mayoral candidate Eric Adams met with the Chinese Communist Party-run foreign influence flagged by the U.S. government for seeking to directly and malignly influence officials to push pro-Beijing policies. He is the mayor or the candidate for mayor of New York. So uh, you got to wonder... What kind of influence does China have with our government? Quite a bit. John Kerry from the Daily Caller. John Kerry has at least one million invested in Chinese fund supporting companies blacklisted for human rights abuses. Special President Envoy for Climate, John Kerry and his wife hold at least one million in Chinese investment funds that owns a significant stake in Chinese technology companies that aided in China's human rights abuses against Uyghur Muslims. Kerry reported holding over 1 million stake in an investment fund, Hill House China Value Fund LP, in his financial disclosure submitted in February. The fund is part of the Hill House Capital Group, a private equity firm owned and operated by the Chinese billionaire Jing Li and known for its early investments in some of China's top technology companies. Hill House invested $55 million in the Chinese surveillance firm Yitu Technology in 2017, a company that was later placed on the U.S. government's entity list in 2019 for developing facial recognition software specifically designed to detect Uyghurs. That's John Kerry, guys. We knew he had questionable ties with China, but these are the people pushing all of this. And this video from, I think it's from Sky News Australia, listen to this. And the quote that came from this video said, when you do nothing, when the communist Chinese party members are employed with Western companies, you have to wonder if the U.S. is already working on this technology. Now been a major leak of official records from the Chinese Communist Party. It is believed to be the first leak of its kind in the world. A register with the details of nearly two million Communist Party members. It includes their name, party position, birth date, national ID number, ethnicity, and in some cases, even their phone number. What's amazing about this database is not just that it exposes people who are members of the Communist Party and who are now living and working all over the world, from Australia to the US to the UK, 
But it's amazing because it, because it lifts the lid on how the party operates under President and Chairman Xi Jinping. But this leak shows that party branches are embedded in some of the world's biggest companies and even inside government agencies. That's right, Communist Party branches have been set up inside Western companies, allowing the infiltration of those companies by CCP members who, if called on, are answerable directly to the Communist Party, to the chairman, the president himself. Along with the personal identifying details of 1.95 million Communist Party members, mostly from Shanghai, there are also the details of 79,000 Communist Party branches, many of them inside companies. This leak, and it's going to be front page of The Australian tomorrow and a big story in the UK as well, is a significant security breach that is likely to embarrass the Chinese president. But it's also going to embarrass some global companies who appear to have no plan in, in place to protect their intellectual property from theft, from economic espionage. The data was extracted from a Shanghai server by Chinese dissidents, whistleblowers, in April 2016, and they've been using it for counterintelligence purposes since then. It was then leaked in mid-September to the newly formed international bipartisan group, the Interparliamentary Alliance on China. And that group's made up of 160 legislators around the world. They have influenced everybody. I mean, they have dug their talons in on everybody. And what's really interesting here is the fact that you have an investment firm like BlackRock, who is also uh, tied into the Biden administration, I think his name is uh, Deese, Brian Deese, I think his name is. You've got uh, the head of the World Economic Forum is a BlackRock guy. And they're the ones pushing the Davos stuff. And you have BlackRock out there buying up all these properties and, you know, suburban homes for, for more than like twice what they're worth. Why are they buying up all these properties? Are they going to rent them out so that you will, by 2030 own nothing and you will be happy. That's their slogan. By 2030, you will own nothing and you will be happy. So we'll, we will do away with unrealized, uh, well, we'll do away with stepped up basis on taxes on, on the uh, inheritance of an asset to where you assume what the owner's assets uh, in, uh, initial investment is. And if you sell it, the capital gains on that will go to hit you. That's if they do that towards property. They're trying to say it's only liquid investments. But then if they want to tax you just on unrealized gains, well, what if they do decide to tax it on the value of your home once they open that Pandora's box and make that a, a thing? Well, then they can just hit you with a tax that you can't pay because you didn't sell your home. And then they can say, well, we're going to put a lien on your home and then we're just going to acquire it and then we'll own it and maybe you can rent somewhere and you'll be happy, right? So, BlackRock in China has a little deal, too. BlackRock, the biggest American money manager. Where are they investing your money? China, pouring in billions, propping up Chinese communist leaders, putting money into surveillance companies used by the Chinese military. Even left-wing billionaire George Soros knows BlackRock is harming U.S. national security. CEO Larry Fink loves to tell Americans how to live, but he negotiated against America, sucking up to China. BlackRock. Taking your money, betting on China. We have to realize 
that every bit of what's happened, coronavirus, climate change, everything, Afghanistan, us leaving Afghanistan, Iran and, and, and China are making deals right now. China is looking to help Afghanistan rebuild and making deals with the Taliban. China and Russia have been uniting. We got to look at the fact that everything goes in their direction, every bit of it. And uh, they're having a financial uh, disaster with housing in their country, similar to what we had in 2008, because they built all these homes and no one's buying them and no one's living in them and their bubble burst. The Evergrande Bank is, is you know, can't even pay, uh, you know, pay for its interest and in its loans. So we have to realize that while their economy is shaky and ours is being shook, it's not shaky on, uh, you know, on its own. Organically, it was doing amazing until Biden decided to thrust inflation upon us. And with the uh, printing of all this money, with the elimination of oil pipelines, causing gas prices to spike, to pay people to stay at home, to destroy, you know, productivity, GDP out the out the out the window. Um, similar to when Obama was president, remember? He, he had low geo, uh, GDP the entire tenure. And he said, well, you know, we just got to get used to it. New normal, lower your expectations. Um, it can be brought back if we bring the right people in and we eliminate all of these frauds and these grifters and these insidious bastards. But the problem is China's bankrolling a lot of these people and they're dug in and they're in the deep state and they're the reason for the mess that we're in right now. Thank God we have a few people in there that get it, like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Listen to her talk about the climate change and the Green New Deal and the infrastructure bill, the spending. And she makes some excellent no-brainer points that no one's talking about. We're not going to spend ourselves out of hurricanes and disasters. You know, I haven't been in Congress very long. We're approaching about 10 months now, and I still remain in shock and awe at the failures that I see every single day here in Washington, D.C. To believe that the Democrats can do anything better that's been done all along is an absolute lie. Looking at these infrastructure bills and now this um, apparently over 2,500 pages of a reconciliation budget that has just been dropped in the Rules Committee, is looking at communism for America. It's the Green New Deal in full passage that does nothing but sell climate lies. To consider that we can pay taxes to end hurricanes and droughts is nothing but a joke. It's a scam, and anyone that actually believes it is, is honestly, I don't know what they're thinking. Um, they're going off the edge of a cliff. See, we need more people like her. I know a lot of people are going, well, she talked about there being a Jewish laser uh, beam and, uh, you know, uh, Q on it and all that stuff. But you know what? Her voting record is 100%. She stands for the things that we believe in. Uh, you know what? Back, back the soldiers you're given in the fight. That's how you have to do this. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. It's the Adrian Slade podcast. You can check it out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart. You can also get the Roku channel in your streaming store. Go on your Roku device and go to the streaming channel store and get the Adrian Slade Show channel. You can also donate. Uh, Anchor.fm slash Adrian Slade slash support. Call to be on the show 1929 GoGo USA. God bless.